Oh, here we are again today. This is Dan and Zick Pick a Flick podcast. Hello. I'm, I'm your host, Mark Zick, and our other host here, of course, if you want to introduce yourself. I figured I'd let you do it. Nope. No, no. Not happening. No, God damn. I'm Dan. Don't really need much of an introduction. Hello. Got some movies for you today. What are we bringing them? Well, we decided this week that we would be like everybody else and do our top movies of the decade. Uh, but we decided to break it down a little differently than I've seen a lot of people do it. And what we're doing is we are each taking our two favorite films of each year of the decade and going to bring them together and discuss those with you. Uh... These aren't necessarily what we consider the best films. They're just our favorite. Uh, some people think that those are the same things. I do not. I can certainly tell you I have not seen the best film for most of these years. Right, exactly. There, there's probably, uh, I don't know, two or three each year that uh, people would consider the best that... I wouldn't even have on my list because they're not my favorite. And today we will be covering 2010, 11, and 12. Yes, the first three years of the decade, which uh, actually was pretty tough getting uh, getting these together. Because uh, I don't know about you, but I, I probably could have had a list uh, at least five or six deep each of these years. Yeah, I remember I was working back at a movie theater then, and uh, at least one of those years, you made it your mission to see every Oscar pick. I think that was the year Argo came out. It was a good, uh, really good amount of good movies that year, and that was actually surprising. Yeah, there's been a few years I've, I've seen all of them, which, uh, I mean, thanks to the movie pass a few years ago, which unfortunately is no longer, well, at least as it was. We don't have the rights for that. Don't 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 bring music into this. You really need rights for that? I would think so. I know you gotta have the right to be dead, but Well, I don't know. <laughs> Alright. You wanna start us off here in the year of two thousand ten? Two thousand ten. Are we gonna jump right in with uh with our picks, or, or should we discuss uh, our our honorable mentions first, or or do you think those should come last? What, what do you think? I had set it up like a, I was going to do number two of the year first for me, and then one. So if, if you wanted to do a couple honorable mentions, if you knew what they were going to be, your number two or yeah, something like I'll, that, or your number one, you throw them in wherever you want. <clears throat> so you have the two movies ranked two and one. All right, I didn't have them ranked. I just have them both together. I just figured if we were going to do... And plus, there was some in here I definitely liked more than others. So. All right. Well, let's just break the ice. First movie, 2010, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I haven't that... seen it. <laughs> How have you not seen this movie? How... Do you know the cast? Um, Who... I mean, everyone is in this movie. I've seen a lot of memes of the cast, so I do know most of them. At least. I mean, Captain America, Captain Marvel... You've got Superman. Hey, Captain America's in one of the movies I got. 2000. Sorry, go on. But, I mean, Popular also, year for him. 
it's also a return to uh, uh not not a return he's always been around but uh kieran culkin making a nice appearance in this movie and uh really doing well in this head he plays uh the roommate of uh michael Sarah's scott pilgrim and uh just a great little little uh side part that he has there uh of course, this was uh, this was directed by Edgar Wright of uh, Shaun of the Dead and uh, Hot Fuzz, uh, the this World's End, the, yeah, the, exactly. World's End. Yeah, the, the Cornetto trilogy, <clears throat> and you can definitely tell that it's by him. You've got his little uh, his quick zooms that he does, and the uh, the cutaways to quick cutaways that he's known for. And his use of music that seems to be just prevalent in all of his movies. Yeah, his directing style alone is worth going to see a movie for. It's like Quentin Tarantino. It's going to be entertaining no matter what is happening. Right. Scene can be boring as hell, but the music's just going to have your heart pounding. And that uh, that definitely is the case with with this film here. It, it's fun. It's it's obviously based off the uh, the comic book uh, of Scott Pilgrim. And and you can definitely tell that this is uh, a comic book movie right from the get-go. Uh, the use of art and uh, illustration, the graphics in the movie uh, is definitely uh, definitely worth the t- taking the time to see. I'll have yeah. to check it out. Like I said, I, I do like that director. I, I don't know if I'm a giant fan of the lead of the movie. He's all right in some stuff, but I think it's, I might check it's George out George Michael. It's George Michael. <sighs> Awkward team. Yeah. It's, it's what he does. It's what he is. But you've got Anna Kendrick. That's why he's still doing it. Chris Evans. I he's mean, great. Jason Schwartzman. I probably will check it out. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I've just never had the movie or really the motivation just yet. But... It's one of many that's actually on my list. All right, so you have? I, for 2010, have another comic book movie. This one's a little different. This one's called The Losers. See, this is one I haven't seen. <laughs> I'm not surprised. It was not that popular. It's very good, though. Very good. The cast is great. Uh, I mean, the cast includes... Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Zoe Saldana, Chris Evans, Adiris Alba, Columbus Short, and Oscar. Yep, and you can correct me on this next one because I'm not exactly sure if I'll pronounce it right. I butcher names. I apologize. Oscar Ayanada. I probably killed that, but sorry. I don't even know what you're trying to say. So. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it basically it's an action movie uh, based off a comic book by um, Andy Dingle and Jock. Uh, the adaption is by Peter Berg and James Vanderbilt. And, I mean, it's, it's very well done. Directed by Sylvan White. And it's just a very action-packed movie. There's nothing all that great about it. It's just a lot of fun. Probably you just said of... it's great, and now there's nothing all that great about it? The whole thing is just, it's good, which what makes it great. But there's nothing single in the movie, really, that is all, like... But that's why it's one of my favorite movies. It's just... A pure entertainment ride throughout the whole thing. 
Plus, looking back on it now, you have Chris Evans who plays the skinny, well, skinny-ish geek guy who handles all the tech, who probably is one of the best scenes in the movie where he's trying to escape from, uh, I so one of the high sky risers. He's just hacked part of the building. And he gets to the elevators. He's sitting there waiting on it when three guards come up on him. Puts his hands up, then decides to just aim his fingers at him like this, as if he is holding out guns at him. And just click, click. Both guards go down. The other guard's freaked out. Doesn't know what the hell's going on. He tells him that it'll blow his mind with his, you know, his own mind if he doesn't get on the ground. Then, yeah. as uh, he goes to leave, you see that he gives a sign behind him, and you realize there's two sniper bullets through the window. His buddy behind him saved his butt. <laughs> it's one of those kind of movies. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'd recommend it. That's that's why it's my number two of that year. I mean, there was a lot of other good ones. I love Date Night. Death at a Funeral was funny. Iron Man 2. But... You just agree we're going to do the honorable mentions later. I said I was going to throw them in whenever I could. Go on, sir. What is your number one for 2010? Number one, this was actually a pretty easy pick for me, considering it stars uh, one of my favorite actors, uh, favorite comedic actors. Yes, I did wind up going two comedies this year. Uh, this would be The Other Guys. Written and directed by one Adam McKay, uh, as well as Will Ferrell, uh, Jimmy Miller, and Patrick Crowley. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that, that was, those were the producers. It's got a flag there, edit that out. Mistakes happen, my friend. Uh, it was written by, though, uh, was Adam McKay and uh, Chris Henchy. And this stars, of course, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg as the other guys in the, uh, in the New York Police Department. And Will Ferrell stars as uh, stars as Alan Gamble, and Mark uh, Mark Wahlberg is Terry Holtz, also known as the Yankee Clipper, for something we we find out pretty early on that he did uh, while working security for the Yankees and shooting I'm, Derek Jeter. I'm just saying, as a Sox fan, I really enjoyed that. Scene. Oh yes, it's, it's amazing. It's worth watching on repeat. And you can definitely tell that Mark Wahlberg had fun with that, being a Boston guy, getting to shoot Derek Jeter, and living out a dream of see, all Bostonians. See, I want to know if um, it, it, if they told him about that, and that's what got him interested, or if he pitched the idea. Right, he might have added that in. Right, like, what makes these people hate me? Well, what's the worst thing I could do in New York City? Mm -hmm. <laughs> On the night of a World Series game. Yes. Oh my God, yeah. No, I mean, it... <laughs> The scene is just, it's perfect. You have, you have Wahlberg standing there in the tunnel and somebody <laughs> starts walking in. He starts yelling out at him, hey, stop. And of course the guy's walking in, he's got headphones on, he's not paying attention. And again, calls out for him to stop, doesn't stop. So, I mean, like any policeman would do, he takes his gun out and shoots him. At least he was fortunate enough to be shot in the leg. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, <laughs> I suppose it's because he is a biracial and not just uh, not just black. But uh, we'll we'll save that for another time. Uh, th this was the uh, the the fourth of uh, of five works that uh, Adam McKay and and Will Ferrell collaborated on. Uh, can you name the uh, the first 
three. I don't know them in order, but I want to say Anchorman. Anchorman is one. Anchorman two. That came out after this one, yes. Um, uh, damn it. Uh, Ricky Bobby? Yep. Talladega, Talladega Nights, Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Um, and there's one more. It could be, it might be one of your favorites, I think. I believe, I think we even saw this in theaters together. Is that uh, John Hader in it? Nope. No, damn, not Blades of Glory. Nope, it's not Blades of Glory. Um, it does have another John in it. Uh, uh, Pretty big John. John C. John C. Riley. Yeah. What have they been in together? Way too much shit. Step Brothers? There it is. Ah, damn it. Yep. So many goddamn movies. But no, this one, they play the... The... The guys you forget about in action movies. The the cops that that sit there and do the paperwork. Uh, don't just jump off a three-story roof. Well, I was no getting there. I was getting there. Because <laughs> you, you have the hotshot cops of uh, of Samuel Jackson and, and The Rock, who, of course, are those prototypical action cops that you see in the movies with such great lines of... Uh, as the car is flying through the air with an explosion behind him, Sam Jackson with his gun, you have the right to remain silent, but I want to hear you scream. <laughs> <laughs> and The Rock just throwing in little things. Uh, uh, Wednesday night's taco night at Rikers Island, getting as he's hauling people off to jail. Uh, and they're following this group after a uh, a jewelry store heist. This group of people up on top of a roof. They zip line down, and Sam Jackson and The Rock, they look at each other. You think of what I'm thinking? Aim for the bushes. And they just jump. <laughs> They jump off the top of this New York skyscraper. It's, it's about twenty. It's not skyscraper. It's only about twenty stories, but still, that's. Was it twenty? I thought it was like three or four. No, no, no it was twenty. Oh goddamn! There was. Yeah. It wasn't it's, even a bush. Exactly right. <laughs> it's a sidewalk. I think the, a fire there's hydrant. This, there's this <laughs> ongoing commentary in the movie, and even at this point. Like, maybe it was uh, ignorance or, or just self-sureness that they would survive. <laughs> I don't know. That shit was crazy. <laughs> uh, Will Ferrell is married to Eva Mendez, uh, which is completely inexplicable. This very, very beautiful woman, Eva, Eva Mendez, married to... I mean, let's admit it. Will Ferrell's no no Brad Pitt or uh, or even Mark Wahlberg. Uh, you had a few more names to that list. Yeah, and it, it's just a she's the latest in the line of beautiful women that you hear that he's uh, that he's been with. He he lost his virginity in uh, uh, in high school to Heather Locklear, <laughs> uh, at least according to him in it. 
and and when you come to discover that in college he he was a pimp uh didn't really realize it uh but he started just protecting this girl while while she went out on dates and eventually it wound up being several women and he had a stable and that's just it led to a great song of uh, Pimps Don't Cry after <laughs> that his wife sings to him. Um, Michael Keaton plays the captain who likes to randomly throw in uh, TLC quotes uh, without realizing it or realizing it because at, at different <laughs> points he tells them to just creep. Creep. And as... Mark uh, Wahlberg points out, no one says creep, creep, unless you're quoting TLC. <laughs> oh, man. Michael Keaton's had some good roles recently. That's definitely one of my favorites. And, uh, I mean, I could talk for hours about the other guys just quoting different parts of it. And the the, the whole point of it is uh, uh, Steve Coogan, who plays this uh, uh, investment... Uh, I get, yeah, I guess he's he's an investment broker or something like that, uh, borrowing money from these big companies, paying it to other people that he shouldn't be paying it to, and just getting in a lot of trouble money-wise, and owes money all around the world, and eventually gets caught up with it, and brings in the NYPD, so they're stealing from their pension plan. Anyway... Like I said, I could talk for hours about this. <laughs> it was a hell of a movie. And it would have been amazing if you had gotten a prequel with Sam Jackson and Dwayne Johnson. <clears throat> Take High that Smith idea and, and make it. Yeah. <laughs> then pay me a penny on every dollar. I'll take half a penny. <laughs> there's, a, there's a point where the... They're driving Will Ferrell's uh, Prius uh, to a to a crime scene, and <laughs> for for one thing, he's always got a little river band in his uh, in his CD deck. He's got he's got six CDs all loaded up of little river band, and as they're as they're called to the crime scene, he just yells out in a passionate cry, "America!" And steps on the gas, completely runs over one of the dead bodies that's at the crime scene because he can't stop, and <laughs> throws cocaine all over his car. So he's just got a red Prius covered in coke <laughs> that ran over a dead body. Uh, oh, so much coke wasted. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's been known to happen. Accidents on crime scenes and all. Mm-hmm. One you definitely recommend, then. Oh, yes. If you haven't seen it, stop what you're doing right now and watch it. So, my number one is I Love You, Philip Morris. The story is told from the perspective of Stephen Russell, who's played by Jim Carrey who was on his deathbed recalling the events of his life. Early on, he was a police officer. Police officer, wow. Played the organ at church and has an unenthusiastic sex with his wife, Debbie, played by Leslie Mann. 
Eventually he quits force and moves to Texas to work for the family business. But after a fatal car crash, he decides to come clean with himself and his family and admits that he's gay and moves to uh, Miami, where he starts dating Jimmy, who's played by Rodrigo Santoro. And to live the luxurious life that he's trying to, uh, basically becomes a con man. And eventually he's caught. Him and Jimmy break up. Now this entire time, though, what's nice, though, is that he's still remaining close with Debbie and his child. In prison, this is where he meets Philip Morris, played by Ewan McGregor. And from them on, prison cannot even keep them apart, as Stephen is willing to commit whatever fraud necessary to keep them together and free. It's a dark comedy that is based on the real-life con artist and prison escapee Stephen J. Russell. The cast is amazing. Jim Carrey, Ewan McGregor, Leslie Mann... And Rodrigo Santoro. It it's a sweet occasional it's sweet, it's occasionally dark, but overall it's very fun, and the whole thing is just a fun adrenaline ride, as it's pretty much Jim Carrey constantly breaking out of prison to be with the love of his life. <laughs> or impersonating a lawyer to get the love of his life out of prison. It, it's all based off a true story, too. Uh, that's, well, yeah, it's based. I haven't read the book, but it's uh, based off uh, uh, the book I Love You, Philip Morris, A True Story of Life, Love, and Prison Breaks by Steve McFicker. Uh, it was directed by John Requois and Glenn Ficarra. Uh, they also did Crazy Stupid Love, Whiskey Tango, Foxtrot, and a bunch of episodes of This Is Us. Uh, oh my god, it's it's just so funny. I mean, seeing everything that he does, whether, he, no matter how exaggerated it is or close to fact it is, just some of the stuff he does and the fact that it's so many different places and you'd know these people wouldn't recognize him by just simply, if they're in a different living in a spot, because mm. police don't communicate like that. So all the stuff he manages to get away with, including just one day running away from prison. I mean, dude's already broken out three times. What are you going to do? Huh? Just, right. One, stay right here. We'll be right back. Well, fuck it then. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, the, the relationship between Carrie and McGregor is just, it. it's so fun to watch. Um, definitely two actors that, that I enjoy watching. If you haven't seen it, definitely see it. It's, oh my God, I can't say enough about this movie. It's, from what I understand, it didn't do all that well at the box office but it's so good so good good <laughs> sounds like it definitely one that i'll have to check out that's um, one you can definitely watch more than once what do you think should we move on to uh to the next year or, or discuss some of our honorable mentions for this year because i mean for this year you've got uh, there's I mean, Social Network, Inception, Toy Story 3, uh, King's Speech, True Grit, uh, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Town, Kick-Ass, The Fighter, uh, it's Easy, got, Easy A, Despicable Me. You also got Tangled, Monsters, Let Me In. I don't know if you ever saw The Sorcerer's Apprentice. It's a Nick Cage no. movie, but it's... Um, oh, who's um, the movie This is the End, who plays uh, Seth Rogen's best friend? I cannot think of his name at this moment. 
Jay Baruchel? Yes. He plays a, uh, he plays Nicolas Cage's apprentice in that movie. Oh, yeah. And their chemistry together is just so fun to watch. Uh, don't forget MacGruber. I don't know if you mentioned that one. Did not mention MacGruber. Yeah, that's a fun one. She's Out of My League, too, is pretty good. And if you really like murderous rampages, I suggest The Crazies. That's or another Legion. one. I didn't check that one out. You didn't see The Crazies? No. Nope. Oh, a lot of fun. A lot oh, of Hot fun. Tub Time Machine, that's another good one. Did not see that one. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, oh almost I almost forgot about that one. I think I fell asleep to that one. But it was good. I was oh. just really tired. That's on me. It, it's, the way that plays around with, with comedy and horror is... Well, now, uh, that, now that you've seen our honorable mentions, you can see how bad our judgment is. But uh, let's continue on. 2011, sir. 2011. Why don't you hit the first one this time? Oh, God. You want me to hit the first one this time? I have to go with Battle Los Angeles. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm a huge fan of alien invasion movies. Yeah. I like I Aaron Eckert. My favorite movie is Signs. My other favorite movie is Alien. I don't care if it's a big scale invasion, small scale. This one's big as la is pretty big well not just that but 19 large meteors just start crashing across the earth basically in 20 different cities and with how closed in la is with all the houses the backyards and everything it's just such an intense movie because like from the minute it starts you're basically with the commandos as they're dropped in who are played by Aaron Eckhart, Michelle Rodriguez, Ramon Rodriguez, Bridget Moynihan, Neo, and Michael Pena. I mean, the cast is amazing, but the entire movie just follows them around as they're trying to go in between houses, backyards, yeah. buildings, cities, and everything's just so close. I this one. And I mean, the aliens pop out of nowhere, and of course, they have overpowered weapons, which can just kill them in one shot, stuff like that, but it's not overly ridiculous, it's a it's a crazy, insane war flick that's, it, I would say, is very entertaining and gritty and oh, a good suspense yeah, movie. It's 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 definitely a great sci-fi war movie. Uh, realistic, that as best as you can with uh, dealing with that subject matter. Uh, and definitely not something, uh, something silly. Uh, like in signs where where water is going to to throw everything off because they land some of their their pods and stuff right in the the ocean outside of L.A. So that's that's just one thing. You brought signs up. I I will not jump across this table and smack you down for insulting my favorite movie just because the aliens had like aversion to water like we do to acid and they decided to invade a planet that was seventy percent acid. Mm -hmm. I should just know. I let that go. Yes. <laughs> and hey, I, I, tr I try to defend M. Night Shyamalan when I can. Oh, that movie. That's another one. That one's good. But but he even has to be the one in that movie to tell you the ending. Like he does it when, he's, when he traps the alien in his cupboard and he's like, I'm going somewhere away from water. I don't think they like water. The like, whole movie He says it right there. Signs. <laughs> If the dude didn't run over his wife and pin him to a tree, then he wouldn't have had to go there to talk to him about uh -huh. this, which means he never finds out yeah. from the one dude that's actually figured it out. Mm -hmm. Ding, ding. Signs. 
Why was it him? Spoiler he had alert. he had to be the biggest. But that's years ago. This isn't. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, well, Are you done with Battle of LA? Well, basically, I mean, the story's not all that great. I mean, it is. It the whole shooting and everything is amazing, but it's one of those where they go in. Uh, basically, they fight as far as they can, and fortunately, they start getting pushed back. But as they're evacuating, they catch a sign of what might be their way to help turn the tide of the battle. Uh, they believe that the mother ship might have crash-landed in the center of L.A. when all this began. And they go into the sewer tunnels, fight it out in an even closer environment, and eventually are able to defeat it. And it becomes one of those movies where, you know, at the end, they all get back together and then march off to the, the next to the next war. movie. Yep. It, oh, I mean, just so, so great, though. If you love those close, tight suspense movies, I definitely recommend it. Oh... For me, this first movie is definitely definitely a, a tough one for me to put on this list, but I really could not think of another one that I really enjoy watching more than this from the year 2011. And it's one that I hadn't seen until recently, and now that I've seen it, I've probably watched it three or four times. Uh, this Drum is, roll, unfortunately, a Woody Allen film... Midnight in Paris, uh, starring uh, Owen Wilson and uh, Rachel McAdams. This it, it's a great uh, historical fiction comedy where uh, Owen Wilson is engaged to Rachel McAdams. They go to uh, Paris for. Uh, for an event that her father is being honored at. Uh, and in the uh, in the film, uh, Owen Wilson is a is a is a screenwriter from Hollywood that is he's successful, but but he hasn't felt challenged and, and wants to do more with that. Uh, wants to do other things, actually write a novel. Uh, and of course, being in Paris, it's great inspiration for him to be writing and uh, has that whole idea of the old days uh, with the great writers from history. And he winds up getting into a little tiff with uh, with his fiance. They're not exactly seeing along. He's being all romantic and enjoying Paris at night in the rain just because the the rain illuminating everything differently uh, he just immediately falls in love with it so he goes out uh, by himself for a midnight walk winds up around this corner and this car from the 1920s pulls up opens up and invites him in and in it are these uh these people dressed like they're going to a party in the 20s. They've got the flapper outfits on. Well-dressed men, of course. That's good to hear. I was already getting worried this was another Taken. Oh, no. <laughs> no. And he just walked he, right into it. No, he's, he joins them and walks, uh, uh, winds up at this big party that's uh, being thrown by... Uh, I can't remember who it's being thrown by, but uh, it's got Cole Porter... Uh, Zelda and uh, Scott Fitzgerald are there. Ernest Hemingway. It's just uh, everyone that was big back in the 20s for writing exactly what he needs is there. 
and uh, he falls in love with it, tries to tell, uh, tries to go back the next day, and of course, it's all back to normal, back to the regular time, so he's unable to, uh, to show what he found until, of course, that night at midnight, when he goes back to the same spot, and the same thing happens. This time he tries to bring uh, his fiance, but of course she leaves right before the car pulls up. As tends to happen like that, right? I just like to point out what leading actor has not been engaged to Rachel McAdams at some point in the film. Yeah, she does. She does play that role a lot, but I mean, she's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd watch, I'm not I'd watch I'm not her in anything. Uh, but the movie—it's just a great blast to the past where. He winds up falling in love with the past, never wanting to leave, but in doing so, winds up falling for, uh, who did he fall for? He fell for Marion Cotillard, and, womp womp. well, in this, she, of course, is tired of her life in the 20s, Oh shit. and uh, introduces him to the same idea of what he's going through at midnight, and it brings them back even further to a time that she is passionate about. And he's like, well, you can't just stay here. You have to go back to your time. And, of course, uh, realizing along the way that he's doing exactly the same thing that she's doing, and that nobody is happy in their time, but just needs to be a product of their time and live with it. It's definitely got some great messages, great cast, uh, there have definitely been some crap times in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like I said, there's Owen Wilson, Rachel McAdams, uh, Allison Pill, Tom Hiddleston, Corey Stahl, uh, Kathy Bates, Marion Cotillard, Adrian Brody. It's just it's a who's who. Adrian Brody is Salvador Dali, and that, that's a great, great scene. That's an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Good actor, though. Good actor. Oh yeah, this is uh, the second time that McAdams and Owen Wilson starred together. They were in uh, Wedding Crashers. Oh damn, you're right. Ah, oh, that one had a good cast too. That was a fun movie. That was in 2005. Wow. Now, my movie, if you're all, are you all done? Yeah. Okay, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt there. Uh, you could probably guess this one just from the cast. I'll, I'll start listing them off to you. Does that work? Go for it. Kristen Wiig. Maya Rudolph. Rose Bridesmaids. Yes! Mm -hmm. Ding, 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 ding. I had it at Kristen Wiig, but I was taking a drink. <laughs> well, I mean, it does help that she also co-wrote the movie. Mm -hmm. The movie is just amazing. Obviously, it's about a single woman trying to find her way in life. Life's a little chaotic at the moment. And then her best friend, played by Maya Rudolph, Gets engaged. And she oh, agrees to take on... the plane. On... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So many scenes. <laughs> oh, my God. Ellie Kemper, just innocent in everything. Jesus. I mean, that and... What, what's the Melissa show on Netflix? Melissa McCarthy. Oh, Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> you know, good God, yes. With her actual husband on the plane. That, that's what makes it even better. <laughs> and she knew it the whole time. Man was the goddamn marshal. <laughs> 
but yeah, so she she agrees to be the the maid of honor, and although she's trying to hold it together, shit's just going down, and eventually stuff begins to flame out, especially in competition with another bridesmaid, played by Rose Byrne, and oh, I love her. Eventually, it comes to a shitting split in the streets, a puppy breakup at. Uh, well, I mean, goddamn though, if they were giving out puppies at a puppy at a party like that, oh. Mm-hmm. There are just so many. It's, it's probably the best comedy of that year. It might be the best comedy of maybe the decade, in my opinion. I'm trying to look at my honorable mentions right now, but since I crossed them out for this movie, they probably shouldn't win. Well, exactly. <laughs> and the next two are definitely not comedies. So, yeah, I'd say comedy of at least the early 2010s. Top comedy. That's uh, it's Judd Apatow, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, directed by Paul Feig, produced by Judd Apatow, Barry Mendel, Clayton Townsend, uh, written by Annie uh, Mamalolo and Kristen Wiig. Hopefully I pronounced that somewhat right. Yeah, it's Wig. <laughs> yeah, because that's the one I was worried about. <laughs> I apologize now, and I will always apologize but yeah, it's a it's a great movie. And if you haven't seen it, drop everything, go see it. And Melissa McCarthy, she was nominated oh, she was for for best uh, best supporting actress for this. Was she really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I honestly, I'm not surprised. And it was nominated for original screenplay as well. I mean uh, the whole. The whole cast is just stacked. I mean, Melissa McCarthy is absolutely amazing. I mean, even though this was early in most of their careers, I mean, I mean the stuff that Ellie Kemper's gone on to do, Melissa McCarthy, Chris O'Dowd, Rose Byrne. It's hard to believe that this was uh, the first Judd Apatow-produced film to be nominated for an, act, for an Oscar. In some way it is, in some ways it's not. I mean, it's, it was definitely great to... Uh, to have uh, all female uh, comedy like this because oh, you don't yes. normally get get that. This is definitely something you would have seen. Uh, uh, I mean, being Judd Apatow, you just could have replaced any one of them: Seth Rogen, uh, Paul Rudd, uh, name all of them, uh, Jonah Hill. Uh, just throw them all in there, and they've done that. You, right? You wouldn't. You wouldn't beat an eye. You wouldn't bat an eye at that. I mean, but... for, it was forty-year-old virgin. Right. You just exactly. got to throw Steve Carell in there too. <laughs> and then, but to have just the the females take the lead like this, and it, and all of them wonderful. could have been the stars of it. Of course, there wasn't a single person in that movie who was not amazing to watch. Oh, Maya Rudolph. She, oh, she definitely oh makes God, her way yeah. into some of the, the funniest movies that we mentioned. I mean, back to MacGruber, too. Oh, good God, yes. <laughs> Kristen Wiig as well. Yep. That that, that SNL class was, was something special. It's been a while since there's been a good one. Now, uh, my second movie of this year brings us to the end. The end of a franchise that, I mean, many of us grew up with. Uh, I remember I read the first book when I was in seventh grade, so that would have been, uh, what, 
when you're in first grade, you're six, so like, I don't know, Are you eleven or something. First grade? Yeah. Are you like, <laughs> I mean, I I, honestly I don't know don't years, know. but anyway, I know when the book came out, my dad tried to read it to me, and I love him to death, if, but he gave up because there's just too many names. Well, yeah, <laughs> if you, and if you can't tell what we're talking about, this is Harry Potter, and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Uh, the the best of all uh, all eight films in my opinion. Uh, I don't know that this was my favorite book out of all of them. I, I'm I'm a, still a big fan of Prisoner of Azkaban. I think that one is always going to remain my favorite one. Unfortunately, I've only seen the films. I haven't gotten more into reading recently. Have put them on my list, but um, Prisoner of Azkaban is definitely one of my favorite films of them all. Um, the thing there's just so many memory moment, uh, memory, no, memorable moments throughout the entire series, but right, I definitely and, think Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite. And I'm gonna take this moment talking about this film to kind of talk about them all because I mean, all of them are such a big part of both of our lives. And uh, I mean, we when we went to uh, when we went to Universal. A few years ago, went to the Wizarding World, had some butterbeer, and uh, d- did you get a wand? Or I got two wands. You got two friend. wands. Yep. I, I, cons- Sirius I considered Black and Slugworth. I very nearly got. Uh, I don't know why Slugworth. Got They're Lucius. Just really cool looking. You got uh, Lucius Malfoy's just because his was the uh, the cane. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Remember they sold the full cane. Oh yeah. That thing was amazing. I, we didn't see that. You had to ask for time. it. Well, you have to ask for it. Oh, that's right. Uh, we were looking around at all of them, and of course, I was wondering, do you have Lucius? And Hell. he's like, yeah. He had to go get it and brought it out to me. We were just there a few days ago. I mean, the. It still blows my mind, though, the cost of the robes and everything. But there's so much there I would love to buy. Uh, it's so great. But the crazy part is, is like the, even with a special night, those rides are so popular. It's still 30, 40 minute ride for them. I mean, it, it's even though it's been so long since the last movie came out, the popularity of it is still amazing. Oh, it'll never wane. No. What they created was was something special. And the the way they brought it to an end uh was definitely worthy of uh, of what they put together one of the few endings to a major series recently that did not completely screw it up into a flaming fiery ball of mess well i mean that's a matter of opinion Dexter. it's it's definitely easy when you have Game it, of it written out beforehand <laughs> <laughs> i didn't hate the way game of thrones ended so that's not I, I, I like the ending. Uh, it's good if you understand what is happening. It's bad exactly. if you're mad if you, that it's completely being rushed. If you understand and paid attention the whole time, then it's fine. But if you just want fan service jack offery, then boo-hoo. No, what I wanted was ten episodes for the last two seasons. That way, well, we could actually cover how people managed to travel from one side of the continent to the well, other. Well, that's been long. Like that's day. been long. See, <laughs> <laughs> so just get like hold on, travel, just like get D&D, over it with travel. Just like D and D, travel starts out important on the roads, and then eventually right. it doesn't even matter. Exactly. Everyone's it got doesn't. fast travel. Or, just get there. We don't or, need to see them traveling to get there. Just get there. 
It's not Lord of the Rings where the where the journey is the adventure. Well, still, though, it would have been fun to see how we got to the Mad Queen instead of just you killing oh, a friend of mine. Oh, you saw it the whole time. And getting yeah, off like... track here. <laughs> I'm talking movies, not a fantastic uh, TV series. That ended in a flaming bio ship. Nope. So this is the uh, the twelfth highest grossing film of all time, uh, made around one point three billion uh, worldwide, uh, which at the time it was the third highest grossing film. Yes, wasn't it behind? It was just behind Avatar and Titanic, I Titanic, believe. Titanic, yes. Yeah. So Titanic held that spot for a long time, which until Titanic or uh, Avatar. Yeah. So until the next Avatar, because that's what James Cameron do. Well, we will see about that. 3D technology is not at the height it was. He's and... gonna do something else. He's gonna change something else. That's what he he changes film. There's been a few people that have tried to do that. Unfortunately, kind exactly. of limited in technology right now. There's been a few people, not James Cameron. He does it. He succeeds. There's I have question. complete faith in him. Where will Rise of Skywalker end up on the highest grossing movie list? Here's one for you. Where do you think? Think it breaks a billion? Yes, it'll be the highest grossing Star Wars film. And Really? That's going to be the for- Force Awakens. That's going to go pretty high. Yes. It will surpass that because it's going to be the last time we see Carrie Fisher on screen for one thing, and I think people want to say goodbye to her. Yeah, I'm just going to say this as a fan of the series. I love Star Wars and all, but I hope that when everything comes to an end, Jurassic World 3 is the highest grossing movie of all time. I love the Avengers, and I love all those other movies, but I love dinosaurs. Yeah, well, hopefully it's better than the last one. You can say that about a lot of things. No mm-hmm. offense, Avatar's plot, crap. Visuals well, amazing. Well, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Give us a better plot, Cameron. Uh, okay, so here we go. Into 2012. And... What did I say I was going with for number two? Did I pick that? Were we going with the same two movies? I do believe year. we are. Wait, wait, hold on. What's your two? What's your one? Hold on. I, I'm, I might cha- I might change this just because I don't want to start no, with the no, same no. two. We're running towards the end of the episode. This works perfectly. I mean, if we're right gonna now. go, if we're gonna go the same movies, number two is lame. Is a number. I'm not gonna say what number one is yet, but number two for this well, year is lame. Is this is where we differ, because Lame Is, besides Signs, is my favorite movie. So my number two will reveal your no, number one, don't sir. don't do that, then. We'll discuss this, and then we'll discuss the other one. Uh, so, this has been, I mean, a, a big part of my life. We should also mention... From the beginning. Good. What? I was going to say, it's Lame Is 2012. There's been way too many. Well, we just said we were talking about 2012. That really doesn't need to be said. Uh, this was the the uh, musical, of course, directed by Tom Hooper, starring uh, 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 Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, Eddie Redmayne, Anne Hathaway. Uh, let's see, who else do we want to throw out? Uh, Amanda Seyfried. And... 
oh, uh, Aaron Tveit, who is a big uh, Broadway name. There's a lot of people you could name from this movie. Eddie yeah. Redmayne is in it, if you haven't gotten there. Yeah, mentioned Eddie. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, yes, Sasha of course, Baron Sasha Baron Cohen, Cohen the, the Tenardiers. Oh, the master of the house. Master <laughs> of the house. Uh, growing up, that that was probably my favorite musical song, and, and to see the way they put it together was fantastic. Um, the ridiculousness in the middle of how bleak and dark they tried to make that movie they picked the best two i think of, of this time to do that well my my favorite character this is a little unfortunate because my favorite character in this show has always been javert uh i i, I like the i like the villains I, I like the bad guys and things i i feel like they're usually the better actors because it's 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 easier to get people on your side i think people want to like uh, it's like stars of movies. They they want to be on your side. So to get people to hate you, I think takes a little takes a little more. A villain can win an audience, whereas a villain's actions can win a hero an audience. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, this is the one who's going to beat him up. Cheer for him. But Russell Crowe definitely was not the right pick for this role. Uh, he had the look, <laughs> which was which was good, but. He does not have the voice for a for a person like Javert. Javert's got to be this big booming presence with uh, uh, that'll like tower over you, and and this is a this is an I opinion mean, you've held for a long time. I, I remember I'd you love, mentioning this the night we left the theater. We saw this at the midnight premiere on Christmas love Russell Day, Crow. and yep. But this is not the right not the right pick. Uh, and that, that's really my only beef with this movie. Uh, it was a little silly to have all the, uh, all the close-ups of, of the, of the mouths just to prove that they are actually singing on camera, because it's one of the first times that they, they did things like that instead of recording afterwards. I, I loved how, I mean, I understand there was a bit of close-ups, but I loved how they did that, where it was just a single, sh it was just a still, yeah. uh, you know, a single shot, continuing shot of the whole song instead of editing in, putting a track over Exactly. It. Gives a little bit more to it. Makes it feel more like a play as you're watching. Right. And the the other nice thing about it was that they had the original uh, Jean Valjean in the movie. Uh, he plays the uh, the uh, the bishop that helps uh, helps Hugh Jackman in the beginning. Colm Wilkinson. Uh, he's the original Jean Valjean. Did great in this one as well. Mm hmm. Definitely. And, uh, all right. So why don't we, do, do you have anything more to add about it? If you like musicals, you like action, you like semi-redeeming plots, watch De this movie. Definitely, definitely a tearjerker. The, uh, the saddest of our list, I would say. Oh yes. It, uh, it, it's got a good length to it, but it, the way it breaks it up, it I mean, what do you expect from a film it. called, uh, The Miserables? Now, pre-revolution France... Oh, right in the middle of the Revolution, France. <laughs> oh, poor. Well, they're trying Robes. to start the trying to start the revolution. Poor Robespierre couldn't even kill himself, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sad for a man who talks so much that that's the way he's got to go. But that's not in the movie, and we'll move on to number one then, which 
was my number two for this year, but I am a huge fan of revenge plots. My number one, of course, this might be my number one of this particular director. Actually, probably two, but definitely in the top three. This is Django Unchained, written and directed by the one and only Quentin Tarantino, starring Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Samuel Jackson, Kerry Washington, uh, Walton Goggins, uh, Zoe Bell. Uh, James Ramar. Yeah, James, James Remar is in it. Dennis Christopher, Don Johnson, Michael J- Parks. Jonah Hill makes an appearance in it in a very funny role. It still blows my movie. mind to the day, though, that freaking Leonardo DiCaprio gets top, somehow is the starring actor. I understand he has top billing, but that... No, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Look, look at this poster. This poster right here. Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, but if you look he at did who was get... nominated for, to- uh, for Best Actor out of the movie. Both, right, well... Which he could have won. He was amazing in it. I'm a little surprised he didn't. The Because this was the first real villain turn for Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, not the first, because uh, you've got Man in the Iron Mask from many years ago where he played uh, twins. And I haven't seen that one. Uh, yeah, one, one, one is the king, and the other's in prison with this iron mask on. And uh, Jesus, yeah, it's and, not, and, not fun. No, when he's the king, he's he's a dick. So you definitely hate him in that movie. There's <laughs> um, as revenge tales go, this goes right up there with the Count of Monte Cristo for me. I mean it. Ah, from the whole time, just from right from the beginning, you were cheering for Jamie Fox. Yeah, right when he reveals himself, he he sheds that that blanket off him. You see all those whip marks on his back. You know everything that he's been through, and now he's finally free. And yeah, the gun's he's, in his hand. Yep, yeah. he gets to go. <laughs> When he gets to to pick his own clothes, he, it's, it's one of the the best moments. He, he's like, "You gonna let me pick my own clothes?" And he just gives him this look, like, "You're gonna regret this." <laughs> the and the he pulls outfits out the, though are great the, in this because even that even blue... Christoph Waltz is the German. He's got the funny hat that everyone makes marks on. But yeah, go ahead. The funny blue shirt. I mean, his outfit is ridiculous. I don't have it pulled up. But it's 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 reminiscent of uh, like an old pilgrim just in blue. <laughs> it wasn't a bad look. No, I mean he pulls it off great, with, especially uh, in that scenery with just all the green and and the cotton around him. It, oh, the blood splatter! Yeah, that. Everything in this movie is meticulous. The the scene where uh, where Don Johnson uh, where Don Johnson gets to uh, where he's trying to organize the raid uh, to Christoph Waltz and and Django in the. in that tooth mobile, as he claims to be a dentist, of course, uh, is one of the funniest things <laughs> in the last ten years, and it's so unexpected. 
it just goes from this ultra serious moment of of killing the brittle brothers and uh thinking that they're moving on to these bumbling guys trying to start a, a kkk uh, essentially <laughs> with these hoods on that none of them can see out of because all they did was cut two holes into a into a burlap sack <laughs> i believe it was one of those guys wives who yep. cut it he was quite mad when they were ripping on that he left yeah that oh, man you left. sons of bitches don't ask me or mine for nothing <laughs> Um, and that's that, how easily that's that where broken. we that's <laughs> where we run into Jonah Hill just making his appearance. Oh, oh right. shit, I fucked mine up. Anyone bring an extra bag? <laughs> no, nobody brought an extra bag. <laughs> I was just asking. <laughs> I can't see. So, so it would be nice to see. <laughs> How is this one not your number one? Come on, man. I mean... Well, I mean, if we're going to go with movies like this, like old-style comedy, revenge... I don't know. I loved it, but I love Les Mis. But there's an older Western that I like way better. That's Blazing Saddles. Well, that that's different. <laughs> the, how is this for a tagline, though? The D is silent. Play, payback won't be... Because of course we have the uh, the original uh, Django from from the first Django movie in this movie uh, that of course asks Django how it's spelled and he spells it right out and tells him the D is silent and of course he already knows having been Django before and that is Franco Nero the the movie is. Uh... So many I good can't can't by recommend Quentin it enough. Tarantino. Tarantino is this definitely could be his best work. My favorite director, writer. I'm gonna be biased any year he puts out one out. Probably gonna be in my top two. I mean, Jamie Foxx could have easily been nominated for this movie if he wasn't. When it gets, I mean, when we get to 2019, this is definitely going to be another Tarantino movie in my top two. <laughs> what did this one this was the uh the second time that christoph waltz uh worked with tarantino and the second time he won best supporting actor uh yes this list took place a few years ago uh, we might get to that list someday and i'm sure that movie will be on it this was nominated for best picture cinematography sound editing uh and and actually yes, Leo was nominated for a Golden Globe for this. It does not say that he was nominated for an Oscar. Um, but yeah, for for the Golden Globes. Hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's what we have to say about our, our first three years of the decade. They were good years. There's, there's there might be there's some empty spots list. coming up, but I mean some honorable mentions from that year alone. 21 Jump Street, The Avengers, ah, Dark Knight Rises, Hit and Run. That was a good one. Life of Pi, Silver Linings Playbook. I mean, a lot of good movies over that time. You also have Rango, Paul, Horrible Bosses, oh, The First Avengers, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. In one of my favorite movies, a comedy movie that's kind of underrated, Rango, starring uh, Johnny Depp. Yep. Yeah, he basically plays his uh, fear and loathing character as a 
as a gecko. Yep. <laughs> and what seems to be a kid's movie. Until... Well, Until you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, that was, uh, like I said, our first three years. Thanks for joining us on that. And we are off to the uh, final Star Wars movie. Goodbye. Good night. <laughs>